One, two, three. Oh, sirens. Classic sirens. Always got to wait for the sirens. Even ruining the end. This is like so a close. siren buzzer so beater. Yeah. You got to respect the sirens, honestly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Come on, guys. <laughs> oh, so, we will pause so for them. We're so close. Literally, we had to say one more thing. Oh, man. What's up, nerds? It's basketball. Welcome to Horse, a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses. My name is Mike Schubert, and I'm joined by my trusted co-host, the James Harden getting to a new team, to James Harden forcing his way out of that new team in about a year or so. It's Adam Amawala. Adam, how's it going? History has a way of repeating itself when it comes to James Harden, does it not? Mm -hmm. It does. It does. And yet again, James Harden has found himself trying to force himself onto a new team, and he has done so, and now he is a member of the Los Angeles Clippers, and some not-as-good basketball players are on the Sixers now, but they've got some draft picks that they can now trade, maybe yeah. for some members of your beloved Chicago Bulls. Maybe. So uh, there's some stuff going on in Philly. Uh, you know what? We'll, we'll save it. Let, let's talk about James Harden later. We got to get into the damn Teal <laughs> Memorial locker room. I mean, I can't be jumping the gun here. Let's get into that locker room. Let's start, you know, washing up, deodorizing, all that good stuff. And you know who is freshly deodorized? I have to assume it's our patrons. Gotta be our patrons. Polly Burge, Kendra Hadley, Salvatore Testa, Siobhan Ellsbury, Don't Go Chasing Taco Falls, bang, bang, roast beef debris, how about them world champion Denver steam nuggets, Anna Reed, Steph Curry stole Dylan Brooks's soul. Bang, and on a more serious note, prayers up for Dylan Brooks' ankles, because that was tough. <laughs> Hi Trish, Nicole Shepard, Chase Underulo, Mr. Bubbles Plays Ball, Naked Rachel, Josh Isn't Rich, Sidney Crosby is a Vampire, Chelsea's Cousin, Ginger Spurs Boy, and Balls to the Walls. Those are our producer-level patrons. Patrons. You know who else uh, is is good up and deodorized, I think? Good up and deodorized, you say? I, mm -hmm. I would yes. think. I would mm -hmm. think it's our sponsor. It is our sponsor, Tab for a Cause, who, funny enough, their tagline is Tab for a Cause, good up and deodorized. Oh, so nice. So if you want to good up, you can take <laughs> Tab for a Cause and install it into your browser by going to tabforacause.org slash horse, T-A-B-F-O-R-A-C-A-U-S-E dot org slash horse, and then you can install it into your browser, and then every time you open a tab, in addition to getting a little pretty picture of a nature background or an architecture background, you will help raise money for charity. You might see some ads in the corner, but those ads raise money for charity, and then you can pick what charities Tab for a Cause supports. Let's do our tab check. How many tabs are you rocking, Adam? <sighs> God, you'd think one of these times I would just plan <laughs> ahead and be like, I know that he's going to ask, so I'm going to close. But no, we got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. But in my defense, uh -huh. two of them are for a horse. Yeah. <laughs> the other say, 15 are unrelated. <laughs> I have two open and both are for horse. <laughs> now, here's an even more interesting question. How many folders do you have on your desktop? Of Do you have a clean desktop? Just in general. Only because Macs do the thing where they like put all of the things of one type together. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen things just kind of like in the top right corner. But yeah, my desktop is is pretty. You can see my my wallpaper. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. But the fact that there were thirteen things, it does make me feel a little bit better, even if they are organized. 
Your tabs is my downloads folder. I actively uh, use my downloads folder as like my working folder. And I think, I don't know if it'll tell me like a number of items in my downloads folder, but let me see if I, okay, yeah. So according to my downloads folder, it is 217.81 gigabytes. And it says that there are 5,124 items in there. So that's my tabs is my downloads folder. All right, folder. one I last question. My, like, one last question yeah. I have to ask. How many unread emails do you have right now in your main email? Oh, so many. So on my work email, yeah. like 30, which is really good. Okay, for me. that's good. Yeah. Um, on my personal one, which is just like become more your catch like all spam for spam things, and crap. Yeah. Like that's 7,500. <laughs> so, yeah. I uh, Mine is also bad, but I'm very good about texts. I, I rarely oh, yeah. have, I have any zero unread text, text messages. Yes, there was a thing where the NBA players were showing like how many unread texts they have. And like everyone was in the hundreds. And like, I get it if you're a famous athlete or something, but like that boggles my mind. I am always. That's when you just do some texts. like who has my number auditing. Right. Because if there's 100 people texting you that you don't have time to respond to. Yeah. I think maybe you just reevaluate uh, who's in your contacts, you know? I mean, at the very least, you just like click thumbs up. It's just, it's ridiculous to me. Yeah, it's but ridiculous. all that to but say, tab for a cause. Go to tab for a cause. <laughs> yeah, T-A-B-F-O-R-A-C-A-U-S-E dot org. That was actually all, that was all ad copy. That was what we were yeah, they, told they to sent say that to explicitly. Us. Yeah. They said, yo, go go wild with it, please, <laughs> please. Talk about embarrassing things about your personal contact communications life. But yeah, that's tab for a cause. Uh, yeah, so now there will also be some other ads. Some of them are by us and others of them not. Some of them in English, others of them not. If you live in not an English-speaking country, but once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Horse. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. All right, Adam, what's going on in your life? What's out there for the people to see? Yeah, what's popping? I don't think there's anything super new. I guess since the last time we recorded, we did the live shows in we did Philly the shows. and New York, and they were everything that I dreamed they would be and more. Um, thank you so much to everybody who came. Mm-hmm. It was really cool. Uh, I Honestly, more than I was expecting, there were a lot of people who came up to me at the merch table and stuff that were like, hey, we also love horse. So yeah. very, very fun. And uh, thank you for uh, for bringing we me We got along. to meet, I don't know if you got to meet, but I got to meet Don't Go Chasing Taco Falls from our I did. producer level patron list. I got I to sign their horse cash considerations jersey. Got to meet their, I believe, significant other Cindy yes. who's there with them. And, and I had signed the other half of the nice. jersey yes, last year. exactly. At, I think my show, mm-hmm. Stand Up New York. So yeah. um, yes, we love the support. The shows were incredibly fun. I'm excited for for those episodes to come out in, what is it, like towards mm-hmm. the end of the year, maybe, on TNO? Yeah, I think they should be coming out towards the end of November, so cool. really just in a matter of a couple of weeks. Cool. Um, but yes, other than that, um, the big things are, thank you, I guess, to anybody who showed up last night in Boston at City Winery, but that is already in the past. So the main thing that I'm going to promote is my uh, show at Stand Up New York, which is going to be on Thursday, December 14th at 8 o'clock. That is on the Upper West Side of New York City. 
Um, right now, I believe it's the first 30 people that buy tickets will get $5 off with promo code Adam. So if you want to kind of get ahead of things and grab your tickets, that would be a, a good thing to do. And then, as I mentioned last time, I also have some interesting January shows. I'm going to have a weekend in uh, Montana. I'm headlining a club in Bozeman, Ooh. Montana called Last Best Comedy that I've heard is great. Steve Lights, Bozeman, yeah. Montana. Uh, and then also a show in Helena the capital, I believe, of Montana, and one other place that I'm forgetting. And then I'm going to be in Las Vegas for a week at Brad Garrett's Comedy Club, January 8th to the 14th. And I am currently actively in the process of getting a Philly date on the books and a uh, Washington, D.C. run for next year. But I'll keep everybody posted on those. What about you? I know you got the big Texas run, the big four, as you call it. Yes. Anything else? I got the Texas run. I got the Texas run in December, Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, Houston on December 13th, 15th, 17th, 19th. You can get tickets at Shubes, so S-C-H-U-B.es slash tour. Some of those shows are TNO, some of them are half Potterless, half TNO. And then I am in the works of trying to get a show to happen in Paris at the end hey. of November. Trying to make that happen November 26th and slash or November 27th, but the people I'm emailing are slow and don't speak great English. So it has been mm. a slog. But I did find out from the Paris Visa Department that I can legally make money and do shows over Good. there. So that step complete. Other step, hello, French venue, please let me do a show there. So well, keep your eyes peeled for that because yeah. – I'm recording this with Adam on November 2nd, and it's still not locked in. And uh, <laughs> well, let the, the record that, that show, show will be in like 24 days. Let the record show that the people at the French venue think that you are fast, but your French is not very good. I look. I started the thread with "Désolation de parler pas français," and the rest of the uh, thread has been in English. That's very funny. I opened the door with "I am sorry, I do not speak French." I minored in Italian in college for reasons that are still not entirely clear to me. I never studied abroad, which is one of my biggest. You regrets grew up in, in New Jersey. I mean, New Jersey. I guess so, it's an yeah. influence. But one of the only things I remember how to say in Italian is "Sorry, I don't speak Italian anymore," which is very useful. It is the most useful thing when I lived in France. It was the most useful thing because everyone there speaks English. So right. if you just admit defeat, they go, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, what's up? And then it's <laughs> totally fine. They're so nice. That's the whole stereotype of, oh, French people are rude. No, no, no. They just like their language. It's part of their culture. And they just hate that everyone assumes they know English, which they do. But you got to at least, you know, like the French nature, wave the white flag first and then it'll be okay. See, is that the main thing? Uh, oh, oh, posso parlare? Uh, wait, wait, wait. Let me see if I can remember it. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Ho studiato italiano nell'università, ma adesso non posso parlare molto bene. Oh. Which means I studied Italian in college, but now I don't speak it very well. It's probably not even the correct grammar, but it conveys the message. Yeah, yeah. It's like when John Sterling, baseball reference, does his very broken Italian home run calls, where uh. you're like, I see what you're going for, but it's not good. So upsetting. <laughs> Let's move on, though. Yeah, so you, th those tickets, whenever they are live, will also be live at schub.es slash tour. And I will be posting about it on social media nonstop, frantically trying to get people to come. I've done that before, though. We only got the Sydney thing locked up a week before the show. So, you know. Yeah. We've done short notice shows before. <laughs> It'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, now I think we can get into NBQ&A. We, we hyped can. up a question last time, and now we can finally answer Exactly, it. and that was a perfect uh, intro there with the baseball reference from John Sterling, because we do have a baseball-related basketball question from our producer-level patron and uh, fan favorite Ginger Spurs boy, who's probably really enjoying uh, the Spurs so far this season. The question is, yeah. what with the season about to kick off and the World Series around the corner— 
also just ended at the time it was around the corner. But mm-hmm. congratulations mm-hmm. to the Texas Rangers. I know you don't like them very much, but I am happy ah. that they won. Of all the teams to win, they're not very high on my I hope this team doesn't sure. win list. So I'll take it. It could have been worse yeah. is what I'll say. I will say the worst part about it is that I'm planning tentatively to be in Texas for the opening series next year where the Cubs actually open at the Texas Rangers. And now those tickets are going to be so much more expensive. Oh, no. Because yeah. the ring ceremony. Yeah, Maybe yeah, you could yeah. go to like not opening day. Right. I think that's the second opening day. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But anyway, the question that we received from Ginger Spurs boy was if you were to draft a baseball team out of NBA players, who do you think would be the best picks and who would be the worst? So I find this to be a very interesting question. We didn't do any prep for this, but I think that's kind of part of the fun. Now Mm -hmm. the skill set that it takes to be a great baseball player are are, it's wildly different from what makes you a good basketball player Mm -hmm. so i think the question is like aaron judge right he's very tall Mm -hmm. he's very good at baseball he's very athletic but he's kind of the anomaly generally speaking like super tall people are kind of i don't know a little clumsier especially in a sport like baseball where like you need to be more limber and flexible so yeah does anyone occur to you off the top of your head in terms of like this person's body type and or skill set Like, I could see, like, Chris Paul being, like, a great shortstop or something like that. Like, he's Mm -hmm. got great hands. He's, like, a smaller build for the NBA, which would be, like, a normal-ish build for baseball. What do you think? Yeah. My instinct is kind of like, I know there's a lot of crossover between three-point shooters and golfers because it's all muscle memory and trying to repeat the same motion over and over again. That's why Steph Curry is really good at golfing, Michael Jordan, Ray Allen, and then people like Charles Barkley are not as good at golfing, and he historically was not a great three-point shooter. So... I would wonder if people who have good three-point shooting abilities could also be really good pitchers because Mm -hmm. you're kind of doing the same motion over and over again. So kind of muscle memory thing there. My other thought is I feel like a lot of baseball players just have like baseball names. Like they just sound baseball. You're like, (laughs) yeah. If your name is Hunter, yeah. Like you're going to be a a baseball player. So I feel like Austin Reeves is such a baseball name. That is a baseball name. That I feel like he would be good at baseball. It's such a baseball name. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other NBA players with baseball names, but like Austin Reeves really right. comes to the front of the mind. Right. And now, again, we've talked about this before, but Michael Jordan is always clowned on for being bad at baseball, which like he was bad at baseball from the frame of reference of other baseball players. But right. he was pretty good at baseball for someone who hadn't played baseball since Little League. Yes. And there are actually uh, a couple basketball players who also played baseball at a high level. I'm just looking this up now. Danny mm-hmm. Ainge, who famously played for oh. the, the Celtics uh, and was, is he still the president of basketball operations or is he, I think he's out now, right? He's the president of basketball operations or some sort of similar role for the jazz now. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because he orchestrated that ungodly, uh, awful right, Rudy right, Gobert right, right, right. Oof, Rough. But anyway, Danny Ainge <laughs> yeah. actually played professional baseball. He played part of three seasons for the this. Toronto Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, he was drafted by the Celtics. Scott Burrell, who uh, people probably don't know. That's a baseball name. That's it such is a, a good baseball, baseball name. name. Uh, it actually sounds like Pat Burrell, who is a baseball player for the, uh, there you go. for the Phillies back in the day. But Scott Burrell, who most people probably only remember from that scene in The Last Dance where Mike, Michael Jordan is like bullying him at a practice and just messing around with him. Mm. But uh, he was on the championship Bulls teams, and uh, he also played for the Blue Jays and was uh, originally a first round draft pick of the Mariners, but turned it down to play basketball at UConn. Mm. Also, Charlie Ward, former Nick, not only was a Heisman Trophy winner, but also was a tremendous baseball player. 
Well, I wish he would have put more of that effort into basketball now. Charlie Ward was fine. Yes, that's fair. Here's my pick for best person. I think name and three-point ability all goes here. Okay. Trey Murphy the third of the New Orleans oh. Pelicans. That is such a baseball name. And I yeah, he's a good three-point shooter. He also went to Rice, where I went to school for two years, and Rice has a pretty solid baseball Very good program. Baseball team, yeah. So I could see all of these factors making Trey Murphy the third a really solid baseball player. Now, here's a couple other things. I think LeBron, I just don't see him being good at baseball. I don't feel no, like he has the either. body type for it. I just feel like he would be unwieldy. Someone like Wembanyama, how big would that strike zone be? Imagine him standing in the box. You could throw it anywhere between, you know, one foot and seven feet and it would be a strike. I think that's a really, it's a very interesting question. I will say there was a a really funny interview with uh, Anthony Edwards a couple years ago. We'll find the link to it where he was just kind of bragging about his sports prowess in general. Right. And at one point, he uh, he talks a, a bunch of shit about how great yeah, a baseball player this. he either was or would be. I think he was saying that he like played in Little League and then was uh, basically saying, like, oh, yeah, I could like be in, in the He's major He's got a lot leagues. of confidence, like, that man. No, a lot no of confidence. He does. He does. He does. Um, but yeah, hopefully that's a that's a decent answer to your question. That could be something that would be uh, fun to do in a in a bigger setting, like uh, some sort of draft, but for a different sport. Mm-hmm. But for the time being, Ginger Spurs boy, we hope that uh, that has fed your baseball needs. And uh, now I'm going to go into mourning because there's no meaningful baseball for a long time. Hey, we got basketball and, uh, though. It's we tough, got basketball it's tough for me. So we do have basketball. We can do that, and we can discuss that, and we can get into full court press. Get it like the news. Yes, I do. And, uh, you know, we already alluded to the biggest news, but of course, amazingly, this did not just break right after we recorded a horse episode. James Harden, of course, traded to the Clippers, which a lot of people predicted, but then it finally did happen. Um, What are your thoughts on this move in general? I think it is one that makes sense for both teams. The Clippers are in a situation where they kind of just got to go all in and see how it goes this year because Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are in the last year of their deals and the Clippers are kind of old. They got Russ, who is playing really well to start the year, and they're just trying to roll the dice and see, okay, can we try one more time at praying that our two best players can be healthy at the same time and maybe we make a run at it. Let's get Harden and see how this goes and then we can figure it all out at the end of the year. So I think it makes sense for the Clippers. They gave up not too much. Mm -hmm. They had two first-round draft picks that they could have traded and they only traded one of them, which I think is a win for them. And then for the Sixers, it makes sense because you got to get the grumpy boy out of here. I think probably... They could have held off and waited a bit and got more in return. But I think the players they got back kind of makes sense for needing to fill out their other reserve type roles. And what the reporting I've seen is that Tyrese Maxey started the year playing so well. And he's also just such a wholesome person. Giving away Halloween candy. Yeah, so nice. I love that. He's just continually wholesome. He texted James Harden after the trade to say he appreciated his mentorship and the confidence he gave him, told him he loved him. Tyrese Maxey is having a great year just on and off the court. He was playing so well that the ownership went to Daryl Morey and they were like, make the Harden trade now. So I love that someone was so good at basketball that they were like, get this other guy out of here. The vibes are too good. Send him packing. So I think it makes sense for the Sixers. Like, what are you going to do? And at least you get some stuff back. And they have enough now on their team to make one more trade. And there's a couple of different directions that they can go. They can either trade for someone now or they can leave their cap space open and try to sign two people in the offseason. They got a couple of different avenues that they can go down. So I think... 
it does make sense all around. I don't think it's necessarily a trade where it's like, oh, yeah, we won the trade. I think mm-hmm. it's just one of those like we both had to do this and we both made it happen and we are now in better situations than we were. We kind of put ourselves in these situations, but here we are now. Yeah. Did you see the awkward entrance into the locker room video? I thought that was weird. I thought that was very strange. There were other videos after where they looked happier and stuff, but I think this is just something that I think JJ Reddick was talking about this on his podcast, Old Man and the Three. I forget who the guest was, and maybe it was Andre Guadala, maybe that episode, but he just says like players nowadays are just like on their phones all the time before the game, during halftime even, which feels yeah. ridiculous We to should me. ask them how many tabs they have open. Oh, or how many unread texts. Apparently it's in the thousands. But I feel like maybe it was just the awkwardness of everyone kind of being in the room, everyone kind of being on their phone in the locker room. But I just feel like Russ and James know, would have been happier man. to see each yeah, other. Yeah, Russ and weird. James, there's weird energy. And then sitting next to Russell Westbrook, you see Terrence Mann, Ooh. who looks not thrilled, which honestly you kind of understand because... Harden being there is going to directly cut into his minutes. And it's not really his fault. Like, he's he hasn't done anything wrong, per se. The Clippers just acquired James Harden, and now could be a too-many-cooks-in-the-kitchen thing. I mean, obviously, Harden is not at the height of his career anymore, but you've got Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, James Harden, and Russell Westbrook. Like, that's a lot of shots between those guys. So it was already probably a bit of a struggle for Terrence Mann to have as big of a part in the offense as he would like. And uh, that only gets harder now. The other thing that I wonder about it in general is that like, this has happened before with Harden now multiple times. And I would have to think that as the team receiving him, you're already kind of walking on eggshells because you're like, well, it's just a matter of time before he gets unhappy here and he wants to leave us. Right. You ever hear those things where like someone has an affair and leaves their family and then goes and lives some other life with some new person and then they end up also leaving that person and having an affair? Mm -hmm. Well, you can't be that surprised. Like if that's literally how you came to be in a relationship with that person, it probably doesn't really speak to their character that well that this is just like what they do. I think the difference is that James Harden is in the last year of his contract with the Clippers. I think the Clippers are very much in a, we're seeing how this year goes and that will determine our future. That will determine if we try to bring back James, that will determine if we try to bring back Russ and if we try to bring back Kawhi and Paul George. So I feel like they are okay with just hoping it can be good for a season. And hopefully the James Harden grumpiness timetable does not exacerbate and speed up to where it's now only half a season before asking out. So I think that should be fine. Well, along those lines, speaking of grumps, what do you think about Kendrick clickbait Perkins's comments that James Harden should be coming off the bench? Um, I don't think that makes sense. I don't think it matters. Like, I think you just do it based on matchups. I think you try to separate the four of them and spread it out throughout the game and then put them all in the court at the end of the game. I don't know. I really just hate Kendrick Perkins, <laughs> like I just, the not on. him, not not him as a person, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but what ESPN is trying to do where they're like, he's our Charles Barkley. And you're like, no, right. Charles Barkley is actually intelligent. Yes, he sounds like he might not be the smartest man, but he knows the game of basketball. He's a smart person. He's super with it. Like he calls out transphobes and homophobes and racists. Like and he domestic calls abusers. There was just a clip that right. I think we reposted of Charles Barkley asking Adam Silver, and it was definitely not planned. Yeah. Like, hey, before you go, Mm -hmm. can you please address the domestic violence problem that the NBA has because this is not okay? And I I love Charles for that. 
Yeah, Chuck is super with it in many regards. And you can't just say, oh, former player that calls people out and stuff. That's our version too. Like Chuck is so different. Right. Chuck is so perfect. Like NBA on TNT, Inside the NBA is the greatest program on television. Like it's not, yeah. it's better than any show. Like yeah. it's just quality television. Like watch the who he play for clip. They just put up. Like it's, <laughs> everything is perfect. Everything is perfect. Oh my gosh. Also, I laughed at Mike's comments and on Zoom, it Put a thumbs up emoji. No, that's because I put the thumbs up. I need to figure out how to turn it off. If you do this, a little AI thumbs up thing comes. And I think if I do this, when I was doing air quotes, oh, balloons boy. show up. Oh, this I is know. upsetting stuff. I don't like it. I really no. don't like it. But I am relieved that it wasn't my laughing that gave you the <laughs> validation of my thumbs up. Because that would have been weird. And now every time I close Zoom, Zoom goes, would you like Zoom to take documents and data from other apps literally every e time I finish a call. And I say no every yeah, time. Yeah, no, weird. I don't, I don't know what they're I taking. That. I don't like it. I really don't like it. I better, I, I better close some of my yeah. tabs. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's the Clipper stuff. We'll see how it works. I think it'll be fine. Other thing to talk about, Full Court Press. NBA Halloween was fun. NBA players so really like dressing up for Halloween. I've learned that over the years. They oh, love yeah. a good costume. We had Giannis dressing up as the Hulk mm -hmm. and doing his entire press conference in the Hulk stuff, but regular voice. He started <laughs> with Hulk voice and then no one in the press room. I don't know what happened to them, but no one laughed. No one was fun. He comes in and he goes, okay, let's do this. And then no one says anything. And he has to go, guys, it's me. It's Giannis. <laughs> like, he has to clarify. And then he goes, do you want Hulk voice or Giannis voice? Like, it's, uh, oh, gosh. So he did that. Wembenyama dressed up as Slenderman, which Very is absolutely perfect. perfect. Yeah. So good. So good. Also, just a great, easy costume. You just got to wear a suit and then like a cloth thing over your face. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. But I think the winner of NBA Halloween is Paul George, who dressed up as Waldo and then on the way into the game loudly announced, Where's Paul Doe? Which he definitely thought of six months ago. And I'm very <laughs> proud of him. But then what he didn't think of was someone from the Clippers organization gave him a little candy bag and wrote pumpkin pee on it. And he laughed quite boisterously at that because he has called himself playoff pee. And then when he was bad in COVID times, people called him pandemic pee. And now he has a podcast, which is very good, called Podcast Pee. So now for Halloween, he was pumpkin pee. Really good. Really good. Oh, such wonderful stuff. I want there to be more... Halloween type things like I want more NBA players dressing up in costumes like let's get them in the various turkey things like when people do turkey trots in strange outfits for Thanksgiving let's get them dressed up in Santa gear for Christmas let's get them dressed up as Cupid for Valentine's totally. Day let's get one it all. thing that uh that the Cubs used to do when Joe Madden was their manager that I always loved was he would do like themed road trips so when they would go on certain mm. road trips, he'd be like, all right, the theme is like pajamas. And then the whole team would board the plane in PJs or whatever. So they had increasingly ridiculous, like, you know, country Western day. And then they would all wear it. cowboy boots and hats and stuff like that. And it's also fun because it's like a team inclusive thing. It's not like a hazing, like, oh, the rookies have to dress up as babies yeah. and carry everybody's luggage around. Yeah, I think more teams need to get on it. It was fun to see the costumes. And I think that that concludes Full Court Press. Get it like the news? Yeah, we're close. We're close, Michael Schubert. Oh, but we got to talk about our basketball teams yeah. who are not doing really well. I think once an episode, <laughs> we need to give just like two minutes for you and I to okay. overreact about the previous two weeks of the Bulls and the Knicks. So I'll let you start first. Okay. We're now, you know, a couple weeks into the season. The Knicks are, what's the record? Are they three and two? We are two and three. Two and three. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're fine. I think that we will be better once Julius Randle remembers how to play basketball. I apologize for motivating you to pick him for your fantasy team. He's been a, a bit underwhelming, but I think he'll figure it out. Yeah. I think really once he gets a little bit better, we'll be fine. There's been some true promise out of RJ Barrett, which is really cool. That's been exciting to see. Dante DiVincenzo, who is now on the team and has just a great name. Oh, yeah. He also has been playing really well. So that's exciting. Emmanuel quickly is on his pay me my money kick, which is Mm. really good. Mitchell Robinson's been playing well. So basically like everyone not named Julius Randle has been playing well. Unfortunately, Julius Randle is our second best player. So you kind of need him to play well. So once that happens, we'll be fine. But it's early. Yeah, it's just five games into the season. There's a couple of things that came out recently that make me really happy though. One, the NBA released that there are special courts for every team when they play their NBA in-season tournament games and they're based off the City Edition jerseys. So they're all brightly colored and that's pretty cool. So the Knicks are going to play on an orange court with a big blue stripe across the middle, which I think is fun. Cool. On top of that, they just released a promo video today of Josh Hart and Jalen Brunson, who are friends and went to college together, and they're on the same team, playing one-on-one against each other and talking trash, and they were doing so wearing the new City Edition uniforms, and that was the City Edition promo. Like, is just them playing one-on-one, trash-talking each other, and I think the premise is that they're, like, in school or something, because then the bell rings at the end. (laughs) Super cool. I love that the promo is just, hey, you guys just be very charming for a minute, and that's what it is. And the jerseys actually look way better than they did on the promo image, which we discussed on that video exclusive on patreon.com slash horse hoops if you want to see us review all of the City Edition jerseys. So we're off to a bit of a slow start. The wins were good. Some of our losses were very close. So I think it will be fine, especially once Julius Randle gets a little bit better at playing basketball. Fair enough. Uh, the Bulls are also two and three. Um, I was very frustrated when <laughs> when Mike picked them at seventh overall in the drama draft and then was immediately validated by the fact that the Bulls had a players only meeting after one game. Yeah, that's not One what you want. Usually you do that after like a seven game losing streak. Right. <laughs> um, so, yes, they've had one of their two wins was an incredibly bizarre win over the Raptors where they like were down 15 or 16 points, I think, with like four minutes left. They came back. DeRozan kept having chances to win the game with free throws. Then he would miss the free throws. Then they would get another chance. Then he would miss again. So it was a wild overtime victory that the Bulls had. Uh, They just lost to the Dallas Mavericks last night in what was actually a very close game, but also Kyrie Irving didn't play. So like it was close, but the Mavs were missing their second best player. So in general, I don't know. I think it's probably long overdue to blow that team up. Also, Patrick Williams has looked really bad. And I think it's getting to the point where you're like, all right, this is, we've seen enough of him now that he just might not be that good. And that And then did you also see the Patrick Williams game winner Caruso drama? No, actually, I didn't. Caruso had that game winner that he made from the corner. And everyone on the bench, it was right in front of the Bulls bench. Everyone on the bench goes wild. And then Patrick Williams just walks off to the side looking kind of upset. He did clarify after saying that he didn't mean it as any sort of negativity towards Caruso, but he didn't like clarify Hmm. why he didn't join in on the celebration. So like at first when you see the video, because obviously the framing of it isn't focusing on the bench, he kind of just walks off to the side. And when I first saw it, I was like, oh, maybe he was doing one of those things where he like walked to the side and just went like, wow, you know, and Mm -hmm. but like didn't move his hands at all. But then the fact that his comment was like, oh, I didn't mean anything bad by it was like, 
Yeah. Hmm. Like that's weird. an apology you do when right. you definitely did something bad. So like, yeah. is he jealous that Caruso is like, quote unquote, getting his minutes? I don't know. The Patrick Williams vibes are weird and he mm-hmm. has also not been playing phenomenal basketball. Right. So you don't love it. Before this, he, he seemed like a nice guy. So I was rooting right. for him. So I don't know. It's been yeah, weird. Yeah, it could just be anomalous. Maybe he's just frustrated with himself for not playing well. But um, yeah, final thing before we wrap up full court press, we have not established any bets this year. And frankly, I'm a little, uh. I'm a little reticent to do it because I'm afraid that the Bulls are just going <laughs> to sell off and then it's going to be a joke. But as it currently stands, we didn't do it before the season, but the Bulls and Knicks do have the same exact record. Okay. What should we try to do here for wagers? Here's what I'm thinking. I think probably it's unfair to do who will have a better record between the Knicks and the Bulls because I think the Knicks are just going to have a better record than the Bulls unless something goes tragically wrong. So I feel like we could do one thing. The head-to-head Bulls versus Knicks thing I think is always fun because like any team can beat any team across a four-game or three-game span. So I feel like that could be one of them. And then I think the other one is we could look at our drama draft teams Mm -hmm. and then whether we judge it or we try to have people vote, which I think was like an exact exact split split, (laughs) when it was on Twitter. We could have something where we look at our teams at the end of the season and see which of us was better at picking dramatic teams. Mm. Like Maybe we take our top five picks and then our bottom five picks and then put all of those teams like into a 20-team pool and then we rank them on drama that took place over the year from (laughs) 1 to 20 and then assign points and then, you know, try to determine which of us did better based on the opposite ends of our drama drafts. Okay, I'm open to it. Let's commit to the head-to-head. Okay. I don't know if it's three or four games they play this year, but... We'll do some sort of wager. If it's a, if it's three, that's easier. I think it's three, which makes it work nicely. Yeah. Those will be the bets. We'll figure out the the stakes of it. I do what mandate was was fun. It I do was. like a mandate. It was. Yeah. It, we could go full Seinfeld with it because what you did for your mandate, you know, it could be like the, the bandy thing where the winner has to cook cook you a nice meal. Don't you, know? you dare cook me soup. <laughs> soup is not a meal. <laughs> no. So I won't cook you soup. Don't worry. <laughs> Though I do make a really good chicken noodle soup. I bet and you do. It takes way longer to make soup than it does to make anything else I would make. Yeah. Well, got to get a crock pot. <laughs> mm, yeah. Well, nah, she's a Dutch oven. I like to do it straight up. Well, I don't want a machine doing my cooking. <laughs> <laughs> They're taking our jobs. Shall we move on? Let's move on. Let's Hit it. me with that. That actually happened. Tell me about something that took place. All right. Let's do it. So for today's That Actually Happened, I had just started to work on a different story, but then I looked at my phone, because I do that approximately 84 times in the midst of doing anything else, Mm -hmm. and I saw the news that Bobby Knight had died. Yeah. So for today's That Actually Happened, I'm going to talk about the long-storied, controversial career of one of the most accomplished college basketball coaches who ever lived. Admittedly, I am not a college basketball fan at all, uh, and in the same way that many young people only know the goofy character versions of Shaq or Charles Barkley without appreciating their basketball greatness, to some degree, I feel like I only really know Bobby Knight in the same way. Like, I don't know about you, Shubes, but when I hear the name Bobby Knight, the first thing I think about is him throwing a chair onto the court, and that's really it. Yeah. Two things. Indiana University throwing a chair onto the court. That is where Bobby Knight starts and ends for me. But like, come on, that's iconic. Chucking a chair on the court. It is pretty iconic. Yeah, it's really good. And that's fair because I think his anger and fire are part of his legacy. But 
Ask anyone in the college basketball world and they'll tell you that Bobby Knight was as good a coach as there has ever been. Uh, in doing this research, one thing stood out to me the most. There just isn't a place in modern basketball for his coaching style anymore. Now We live in a time of intense media scrutiny. Bobby Knight was the king of getting his answers bleeped out on TV. We also live in an era, even in the college ranks, of a more players first, coach second system that puts more emphasis on the talent than the people coaching them. Now, you might argue that that has set a dangerous precedent that allows the James Hardens of the world to demand a trade every time they're unhappy. But in general, I think it's a good thing that we don't have coaches like Knight who scream at players like a drill sergeant yeah right because to me like there's a difference between someone like a bobby knight and someone like a greg popovich like there's a way that you can be firm but also still respect the human beings that you're talking to right and i think there's also a time and place for it there's been a video going around of mike brown who's the coach of the kings who's like a very nice laughing jovial guy but there was a clip of him at practice like yelling at his players but not in like a mean way it was like he was yelling at Malik Monk for complaining about a non-call during a scrimmage they were doing with their team where they had a right. referee calling it. And he was mad at him for, like, stopping playing basketball and complaining about a call. I mean, I we think that's a the, fair the clip to it. Yeah. Yeah, we'll put a link to it. But it was funny because I think he said something to the effect of, like, I've had it up to my top, which instead of, like, I've had it up to here, like, I've had it up to my top with that, Malik. <laughs> that's really funny. <laughs> That's funny. But let's take a step back to talk about exactly who Bobby Knight was and what his legacy is and will be now that he has passed away at the age of 83. In some ways, Knight's hard-nosed style makes a lot of sense. He was born in Ohio in 1940 to working-class parents, a father who worked for the railroad and a mother who was a teacher. Knight enjoyed playing basketball as a child and was good enough to play at Ohio State University alongside future Hall of Famers John Havlicek and Jerry Lucas. Uh, Havlicek was part of those legendary Celtics teams with Bill Russell and Bob Cousy and is known for being the focal point of one of the most famous calls in basketball history, as delivered here by Celtics commentator Johnny Most after smoking apparently 40 packs of cigarettes. Five seconds left. Boston only has a one-point lead. Greer's putting the ball on a play. He gets it out deep and Havlicek steals it. We'll share the link to the video as well. And my favorite part has always been that as the fans rush the floor, a Celtics player takes a final shot as time expires. And at 19 seconds in this video, the ball bounces to a fan who grabs it and then absolutely books it off the court. Like, I I want to know so badly where that ball ended up. Like, I don't know if that dude just stashed it or if he tried to sell it. Like, I, I don't know if anyone knows where it is, but it's very funny to watch. Yeah, I guess basketball is one of those, like tennis, which I hate, where you're supposed to give the yeah. ball back if it goes into the crowd. Whereas... On the flip side, I was at one of the games for Rice University mm-hmm. football. We were playing against UCLA and one of those things where like a good school plays a bad school of football to kick their butt. Uh, and I think it was like televised and like the ball went into the crowd and I had it and I was like ready to give it back. And they were like, no, no, no. And then I just like have that That's ball. <laughs> yeah. I agree. No, I, I agree. It's a baseball fan. Like, it is very cool that you get to keep the ball. There is actually a reason for that in tennis, that they make them give it back. Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's because, like, the, the balls get slightly softer, so they're all supposed to be, like, the same right. density. And, yeah, I get it, but I'm just on team. Like, if it goes into the crowd, that's mine It would now. be a little like, ridiculous in basketball, though, where every time it goes out of bounds, someone just keeps the ball. <laughs> like, that would happen yeah. quite a bit for people courtside. I guess if it goes up far right. enough. Like, when players get angry and they, like, punt the ball into the stands, like, that's yours I now. would agree with like, that. I'm yes. running out. I'm running out for the sure, arena with sure. this ball that Latrell Sprewell just kicked. Yeah. Anyway, back to Bobby Knight's college career. He didn't play much on an otherwise stacked team, but there's a great anecdote on his Wikipedia page that speaks to what a fiery competitor he was even at that age. As the story goes, Knight came off the bench with a minute 41 remaining in the 1961 NCAA championship game with his team down by two points. 
According to Ohio State assistant coach Frank Truitt, quote, Knight got the ball in the left front court and faked a drive into the middle. Then he crossed over like he worked on it all his life and drove right in and laid it up. That tied the game for us, and Knight ran clear across the floor like a 100-yard dash sprinter and ran right at me and said, See there, coach? I should have been in that game a long time ago. Truitt apparently replied, Sit down, you hot dog. You're lucky you're even on the floor. (laughs) Sit down, you hot dog. That's good. That is a good one. Yeah. So after graduating from college, it was clear that Knight wouldn't have a shot at the pros, but he immediately went into coaching, taking a job as the JV basketball coach at Cuyahoga Falls High School in Ohio. Now, I don't know what your JV coaches were like in high school, but my JV tennis coach was not anything like Bobby Knight. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, our basketball team had some pretty solid coaches. I I didn't have much love for the JV coach because he, I think I told the story as my most embarrassing thing. He's the guy who promised uh, me that I would yeah, get a bunch yeah, of playing yeah, yeah. time against a bad school and then he never put me in. And my parents drove like an hour and 15 minutes Ooh. to go to the game. So I didn't like him. But yeah, I, we, we still had some intense coaches, but it was mainly just the varsity coach. So yeah, if you have Bobby Knight as the JV coach, if he's being full Bobby Knight, it's kind yeah. of... Strange. But here's where Knight's style really gets explained. In 1963, Knight enlisted in the Army and served on active duty for two years, after which he was a reservist for Ah. four more. During this time in the Army, Knight accepted an assistant coaching job for Army and two years later was named the head coach at the young age of 24. Famously, and this is something that has been spoken about ad nauseum, Knight coached legendary Duke coach Mike Krzyzewski as a student at West Point. Ah. There's an amazing photo Ah. of the two of them that we will share on the episode page at horsehoops.com. But even at his younger age, there are stories of Knight at this time losing his temper with his players, posing coaches, officials, etc. I'm jumping ahead here, but if there's anything I learned from all of this research, it's that Bobby Knight could have really used therapy. Mm. Yeah. Use promo code Bobby at BetterHelp. I'm kidding. But... Oh, no, no. We dropped them. We dropped them. But I'm not kidding about this dude having serious anger issues. Knight would stay at Army until 1971, at which point he took the head coaching job at Indiana, where he would spend the next 29 years as the head coach. During that three-decade stretch, Mm. Knight would lead the Hoosiers to an overall 735 winning percentage, and more importantly, 24 NCAA tournament appearances and three championships. He also led the U.S. team to a gold medal in the 1984 Olympics, a team that featured young North Carolina guard Michael Jordan in the summer before his rookie season, uh, because at that time, only amateur athletes could compete in the Olympics. And there's a great quote where a reporter asks Jordan what it's like playing for Bobby Knight as opposed to his college coach, the much more level-headed Dean Smith. I couldn't find the clip. I know it exists somewhere, but as I recall it, Jordan says something to the effect of similar but a lot more foul language. (laughs) (laughs) But again, it was not just the wins and losses that mattered, uh, nor does it matter here at Horse. It was the controversy. And for some frame of reference, if you go to Bobby Knight's Wikipedia page, his criticism and controversy section is broken up by decades because there's that much of it. Like, I quite literally can't share all of it, but here are some highlights or lowlights, if you will. All right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Knight supposedly choked and punched the Indiana University Sports Information Director after a news release he didn't like. During the 1979 Pan Am Games, Knight was accused of assaulting a police officer, a charge he was actually convicted of and was sentenced to six months in jail for, but he was never extradited and I assume never took a trip to Puerto Rico. Here's a story for you in which there are multiple people to root against. One of the best players Knight ever coached was future Pistons legend slash terrible Knicks coach and executive Isaiah Thomas. And in 1981, Thomas allegedly sucker punched a player on Purdue during a game. Now, there are differing reports as to whether or not this was retaliatory uh, or not, but 
Knight later invited Purdue athletic director George King on his weekly television show to discuss the matter, which King understandably declined, at which point Knight brought out mm-hmm. a, a donkey, like an actual donkey, wearing a Purdue mm-hmm. hat onto the show. Just cartoonish levels of immature yeah. and petty, and it's safe to say the only jackass in that situation was Bobby Knight. Uh, moving on. Now, this is probably the most famous one. During a 1985 game, also against Purdue, who was a big rival of theirs, Knight disagreed with a call that sent a Purdue player to the free throw line, and before he could even shoot the foul shots, Knight flung a chair from Indiana's bench and threw it onto the floor, like fully across. He we'll, we'll share the video, but he like throws it in front of the free throw line, and it goes all the way from one side of the floor to the other. He was ejected, suspended for a game, and put on two years of probation, and surprisingly did actually apologize for the incident, but as the years went on, it became kind of a running joke for him. He would say in interviews that he had uh, seen an old lady on the other side of the court that looked like she needed a chair, and he threw it for her to sit on, which is actually kind of funny. Like, I, I do That's kind good. of enjoy That's that. That's good. Yeah. Then in 1991, Knight berated his team at a practice, not knowing that someone was secretly recording him. Interestingly, it is Mm. believed that future NBA head coach of the Nets and Celtics, Lawrence Frank, who was a player at the time, was the one who had recorded it. (gasps) The snitch. Yeah, exactly. Um, Which, like, I'm kind of torn on that sort of stuff. Like, on one hand, I think people should be held accountable for the things they say. But I do think that there is something to be said for the sanctity of like, if I believe I'm saying this behind closed doors, there is a certain amount of protection that I feel like you should have within that environment, like up to a certain degree. Because this is not a situation where he was like abusing anyone. He was just pit- really mm-hmm. pissed off at his team. But in yeah. any case, I'll, I'll share the link to that as well. And uh, just for uh, fair warning, if you get offended by foul language or have children around, maybe don't uh, or put on headphones. But you can really hear the army history coming out in this one. Like, he literally sounds like Jack Nicholson in A Few Good Men, and it is kind of scary. Truthfully, the message of what he is saying is that he's sick and tired of losing as a result of players not showing enough effort and getting outworked. And on a surface level, I think that's a reasonable thing to be frustrated with. That being said, I really don't think there's any excuse for speaking to people that way, especially college kids who are children, yeah. uh, regardless right. of what that's to say. That's the biggest yeah. thing. Um, They're so right. young. Yeah. And, you know, it was a different time, but even so, like, I'm sure some of the old heads would tell me that I'm soft, but I guarantee you that shit would not fly anymore. Yeah, it's just not worth it. Like, it's just it's so I don't know. I'm just very big on treating people like people. Totally. And I just feel like I don't know of anyone that and maybe it's just different. But like, I don't know if anyone was like, yeah, this this one person in my life treated me like Mm -hmm. absolute shit. And then that motivated me to be right. Also, in terms of people speaking to people like people, the only time in my entire life that I have ever been kicked out of a bar was when a bouncer was incredibly rude to me. (laughs) And I said to him, sorry, would you mind speaking to me like a fucking human being? (laughs) 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 Grabbed me by my shirt and like flung me out of the bar like Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. That's so good. That's, oh man, amazing. Was he trying to pull some like racist uh, yeah, dress code thing to you? Where you're like, oh, we don't let in shoes with laces. No, 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 no. Well, it wasn't It wasn't that. I was at a bar in, in Hoboken and unbeknownst to me, like the bathrooms were on the second floor and they had some sort of rule about like you weren't supposed to bring any glass upstairs. Oh, which like, okay. sure. But I didn't know that. Sure. And instead of just saying, yeah, like, just tell me, hey, sorry, sir. Like, if you don't mind just putting that down, yeah, right. he just like started screaming at me. And I was like, whoa, oh. that's not yeah. we didn't need to start there. And then as it escalated right. and he was getting more and more <laughs> upset, I <laughs> said, 
<laughs> That's Would so you mind good. talking to me like a fucking human being? And he did not. Uh, he did not appreciate. That. No. I think I was in the right. Yeah, I think uh, you nailed it. Yeah. Um, all right. Back to Bobby Knight. Honestly, it gets worse. Uh, in 1997, Knight was caught on camera putting his hand around the neck of an Indiana player, Neil Reed, during a practice. Reed. Yeah, that's. Reed, yeah. No, no, uh. Don't put your hands on people, period. Reed and another former player mm. also alleged that Knight once showed them his own feces and said, quote, this is how you guys are playing, which. Come on. Like, was the visual like, necessary? If Knight had said, you guys are playing like shit, would any of his players have been like, wait, what are we playing mm-hmm. like? I've never I've never heard that word before. <laughs> I've never heard of that. Like, this is the kind of stuff also, for me that is just completely beyond the pale. And I don't know what's worse. Like, going through and doing it, and like, where did he keep it? Was it in his yeah, did he just hand poop into his the hand? whole time? Did he was get it, it out of the toilet? Like, was it on a pa- I, I'm assuming it was on like a paper towel or a toilet paper or something like that. But I think the real biggest thing, prop comedy? Yeah. Really? You're better than prop that, Bobby comedy? Knight. Come I mean, on, Bobby. To, to use a chair, you, to use a chair as a prop, I can get behind that, but poop, come on. Sure. Bringing in your own props, come on. BYOP. It's just, yeah, it's just tired. <laughs> tired, washed comedy. <laughs> Unwashed comedy. Um, ah! There we go. All right. In the year 2000, things really came to a head when there were mounting allegations of physical altercations between Knight and numerous individuals. These included Knight allegedly Ugh. threatening his boss, never a good move. Uh, physically intimidating mm-hmm. a secretary by throwing and breaking a potted plant, attacking his assistant Okay, that coach. makes more sense. Yeah. Before, before before that, I was like, Bobby Knight's old as hell. How the hell is he going to physically intimidate someone? <laughs> yeah, he just threw a plant. That makes plant. sense. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. He apparently no. also attacked his assistant coach and threw him out of a chair. There's a lot of chair-related stuff. And, and there's like yeah. even more stuff beyond this. Now, again, to circle back to what I said before about Knight, having needed therapy like it really is true adults who throw tantrums like little children have some deeper issues they need to work out full stop like that is just a thing that is true for sure right none of this was okay even if it was a long time ago and the standards were different knight was understandably and probably overdue um he was fired in september of 2000 and even on his way out the door he couldn't help but take some shots during an interview with espn reporter jeremy schapp knight bristled when he perceived that schapp had cut him off and said uh referring to schapp's famous father, Dick Schapp, quote, you've got a long way to go to be as good as your dad. Uh, just like classic projecting, insecure uh, bullying, and I'm not here for it. Dick Schapp is a great name, It though. is a great name. Oh, it is a Dick great Schapp. name. Dick Schapp. Yeah, I That's like it. That's good. I like it. Despite Knight's track record of bad behavior, he also had a track record as a winner, and we know how that goes. Texas Tech hired him to helm their basketball team less than a year after he was fired from Indiana. From 2001 to 2008, Knight coached the Texas Tech Red Raiders in what would be his final coaching job. The team hadn't made the NCAA tournament since 1996, and he immediately did turn things around uh, on the basketball court, leading the team to three uh, NCAA tournament berths and one Sweet 16 during his time there. During his time at Texas Tech, Knight did actually seem to grow a bit as a coach and as a person and start to learn from his mistakes. I remember that being a yeah. thing. So like, yeah. I'm not going to characterize this as some sort of redemption story, nor does it excuse his past behavior. But the only note in the like controversy section from his time at Texas Tech was that in 2006, Knight was shown uh, allegedly like hitting a, a player under the chin to get him to make eye contact. However, the player, Michael Prince, his parents, and the Texas Tech athletic director insisted that Knight had done nothing wrong and that he merely lifted Prince's chin and told him, quote, hold your head up and don't worry about mistakes, just play the game, end quote. Oh, good, no, I know. sweet. And then Prince <laughs> later commented, quote, he was trying to teach me and I had my head down, so he raised my chin up. He was telling me to go out there and don't be afraid to make mistakes. He said I was being too hard on myself, end quote. Which, like, if that is what oh, he okay. said, that is a time that I think it's appropriate yeah. to, like, tap someone on the chin and be like, hey, look at me, like, you're good. 
right yeah. grabbing someone by the yeah. throat no i agree during potted plants yeah. not great but this okay not ideal but to yeah. sum everything up like i think that's kind of the perfect way and the perfect story to encapsulate bobby knight's coaching style which is to say that bobby knight was basically the jk simmons character from whiplash but as a basketball coach mm. and to your point mm. earlier like along with that comes the following reality like some people do actually respond well to this kind of style it pushes them makes them hungrier makes them better but for a lot of other people, I, I would argue most people, it can crush their spirit. And I don't really know that the former is worth the risk of the latter. Like my feeling has always yeah. been that there is a way to be both firm and respectful. And in many cases, I think that the respect from Knight just wasn't there. Like, did he get the results he was looking for? I would say that he did. Uh, and that's why he's still revered in Indiana. And I'm sure is being mourned at this very moment as we record this a day after his passing. My honest opinion, though, with all due respect to a man who's just passed away, is that the sport of basketball is better when there are less people like Knight in it. A great basketball yeah. mind, a great coach to some, but in my view, a person whose success enabled a pattern of verbal and in some cases physical abuse that frankly has no place in society. And uh, and that actually happened. Yeah, that's a well done recap of a complicated man. So thank you for this fun history lesson as we can now get into a three on three that I've put together that is similarly inspired. So this person did not pass away, but they did have season ending surgery. So we're not going to get them for a full season. And that's really sad because they are one of the most fun people in the NBA. And that is New Zealand's own Stephen Adams. Oh. One, two, three, three, two, one. Steven Adams is wonderful. And Aquaman. He looks like Aquaman now. He came into the league as just like a guy that found a way to annoy everyone. Like his best play early in his career was getting Zach Randolph ejected from an important <laughs> playoff game that the Thunder then won just by being Yeah, it's like annoying. the Dennis Rodman role when he would antagonize Carl Malone. Yeah. Yeah, so that was him early on who was just an irritant. And then he grew out his hair and his beard and got even more muscular and more tattooed up and he just became this intimidating enforcer and just beloved, beloved teammate. And I think it's no surprise and no one else will think it's a surprise by the end of this three on three, which I've put together as the three best things that Stephen Adams has done that are not quotes that are funny. And then the three funniest Stephen Adams quotes, because the dude is just an amazing person in interviews. There's a whole one of those like famous quotes by thing websites first, just Stephen Adams, like on those websites, that'll be like Abraham Lincoln and like all these other people. And then Stephen Adams. And it has things such as, and I don't have a great New Zealand accent, so I don't know if I even want to commit to trying it, but what he says, and one of those quotes on this, on this, I think it's like brainyquote.com is hate bread, too many carbs. <laughs> like he's just a machine of quotes. So let's start with the non-quote things. The number three best thing that he did that is not a quote is, do you remember this? Because it happened against your Chicago Bulls when he picked up Tony Bradley and just like walked with him down the court. I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So Tony Bradley, I don't know if he's still in the league. He kind of bounced around a little bit and he was on the Bulls for a period of time. And he is a very large man. Yeah. He is six foot ten. He's a big boy. He's got a seven foot five inch wingspan. He's very, very large. And we'll put a link to this play on the episode page of horsehoops.com. But he was playing against the Grizzlies. So Steven Adams is on the Grizzlies at this point. And Tony Bradley and John Morant get like tied up in a weird way where like it doesn't seem like anyone did a dirty play or anything confrontational. And then the referees blow a whistle and call a foul. For whatever reason, Tony Bradley just like grabs onto John Morant's jersey by the shoulder and just doesn't let go while the refs are coming over, like, explaining what's happening. Hmm. And he just, like, keeps holding on to his jersey shoulder for, like, way too long. Right. 
enough to where Stephen Adams walks over, and I'm assuming says like, "Hey, mate, what's going on?" And hey, then, what's going on you know, over here? Like, <laughs> like yeah, not that high pitched. What's going uh, on over here? <laughs> he's got it. <laughs> he, I hate bread. I hate bread. Too many cabs. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is not what this man sounds like at all i mean the accent is there but steven adams is yeah, so large and has such a deep voice <laughs> but anyway tony bradley just like won't let go john Morant kind of pushes him away and steven adams just like grabs him by the waist and just lifts him into the air and then just starts walking with him to center one of court. my favorite things fantastic. in basketball is when <laughs> players make other players who are gigantic look not gigantic. Like, it's very funny to yes. me when people are, like, wrestling with each other like an older and younger brother, but they're just both gigantic humans. It's it's so funny. Uh-huh. What's funny about this is that this perfectly diffuses the situation. He drags Tony Bradley from basically one foul line to the opposite side of the court foul line. And mid being carried, Tony Bradley recognizes the ridiculousness of the situation and like almost laughs it off where he's like, OK, yeah, this is this is silly. All of this is silly. I've been carried multiple feet by this man as I trash talk and try to look cool and it looks like my dad is carrying me off to daycare <laughs> and like by the end of this it there there was no fight there were no punches thrown there was nothing else and I think it was just the perfect choice by Steven Adams who just like keeps a just dead-eyed look in his face the whole time like I don't think he even says anything I don't think he talks any trash I think he just picks up Tony Bradley and walks with Love him it. and it's so Love good it. <laughs> It's so good. Now, my number two one is similar, but I think it's better based on the other person looking ridiculous. So this is a play when Steven Adams was on the Thunder and Russell Westbrook was on the Thunder as well. And there's a play where against the Kings, Russell Westbrook goes up for a layup. Willie Cauley-Stein, who's the center on the Kings, fouls Russ. And then he kind of pushes Russ away after Russ finishes his layup. And Steven Adams immediately comes over to be like, not on my watch, mate. That's and pretty good. Tries to, yeah, thank you. Uh, tries to get him to not do this, and it's the similar move where he kind of just like grabs him and holds him. He doesn't necessarily pick him up because this all takes place underneath the basket, so there's nowhere to go. So Stephen Adams just kind of like works his way to the front of the crowd and just like bear hugs. Willie Cauley Stein and is saying things to him, but in a very calm way. So I think he's probably just saying like, calm down, stop it, you know, ease up. Willie Cauley Stein is really, really angry. He tries to push Stephen Adams away, but because Stephen Adams is such a large, strong, sturdy man, Willie Cauley Stein gets pushed back himself. It is literally like he is pushing a wall and then Willie Cauley Stein goes away and it's so funny. He looks so stupid. Like, Willie Cauley-Stein looks so embarrassed afterwards, as he should be. And then to put the cherry on top of the cake, after Willie Cauley-Stein does this really angry push thing, everyone's trying to get him to calm down. Stephen Adams, the refs, everybody else. Stephen Adams looks at him just with, like, just like a dead eye contact stare. And then, you know, kind of puts his hand up and goes, all right, mate. <laughs> Like, like you get it out you, you get your anger out it's so good Stephen Adams is high on the list of, of people that I would least want to have set a screen that I ran into there's a very fun compilation clip of just Stephen Adams hard-hitting yeah, screens and they're legal and just screens people he's run just into that him. strong of a dude yeah he's just that big let's look up the stats Stephen Adams height I think he's 6'10 or 6'11 and then Stephen Adams weight 250 pounds. Of pure like, New Zealandish of muscle. Of pure muscle. 
Yeah, like he's not like pudgy. He that is two hundred fifty no. pounds, arguably more of yeah. muscle. He's not the like Raymond Felton statue. in that alumni game. Did you see that? No, he's a large. Yeah, I mean, look, I hope Ray's having a good time, but he, he's, he's arguably was not in the best yeah. playing shape when he played. Right. So you know, as long as he's happy, I'm happy I for Ray. It. But yeah, that's my number two Stephen Adams things. My number one Stephen Adams thing. Are you familiar with Stephen Adams and Nick Collison's handshake? No, but I love a fancy handshake. So in the NBA, you'll have various players that have very intricate handshakes where they're doing all sorts of hand signals and, you know, dapping up hands and elbows and all this kind of stuff. When Stephen Adams was either a rookie or sophomore, like one of his early years on the Thunder, him and Nick Collison Mm -hmm. had a handshake where they would just do like a traditional handshake, like lock hands, go up and down twice, and then just stare at each other for five seconds and then nod and move on. (laughs) So like if you see it in the line, you know, everyone's doing like that, 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 boom, 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 this thing, finger, finger, finger. And then they just like handshake, stare at each other for five seconds, nod, and then continue. It's kind of like a gladiator handshake. Fantastic. Strength and honor. It's so good. It's so funny. It's impeccable. This it's is making so me fantastic. think that you and I, I need it. to have a handshake. We should get one for our softball games. Mm. Me and Josh Pacifico on our baseball team used to have a handshake where we would, because we're both right-handed, I, I think there might have been a player who already did this, and we copied it probably because we were nine and we probably didn't come up with it on our own. We would close our hands into fists and then punch them like into each other's gloves and then go from like top and then all the way like from top down from 12 o'clock to six o'clock and then chest bump that was me i'll be honest with you i don't remember anyone doing that i think you might have invented it okay maybe we did invent it so we had that we yeah we should have something we should have something for for our next season of softball which needs to happen now like the countdown to when does it begin april starts (sighs) today i I miss miss it. it so much all right let's get to those quotes baby all right, here are the quotes. Uh, it's so hard. There's so many good ones. There are so many good ones. I am going to have to request that you well, read all of these in your best Stephen Adams impression, even if you feel self-conscious about it. It's part, okay. of, it's part of the thing. I will do my best. And to anyone from New Zealand, I apologize. To anyone from Australia, I apologize. If this just sounds like I'm doing an Australian accent or like a hybrid of I'll the two. I'll tell you what we're going to do. For any people from New Zealand or Australia, if you care enough about this that you want to send us some audio clips... <laughs> We, we might put them in a future episode. I'll just say that. I'll just say that. Sorry. Sorry, Ken Say, our editor, yeah. who's like, Adam, why are you promising this to people? <laughs> Here, here's the thing. I For the quotes, the most logical thing to do is just put Stephen Adams saying it in and send Ken Say the clips instead of me saying No, no, no. But I'm going to insist. We I say it and then yes. Stephen says it. Okay, that, that works for me. Cool, cool, cool. All right. So uh, the first one that I'm going to select is something that I think I just appreciate him being, Oh God, it's so hard. I even have my three picked and I have the ones that I'm going to put for five on five. And I'm just like, I I just can't bring myself to choose between (laughs) them because they're all so good. But I think I'm going to go with this one. Okay. So this is number three. I just appreciate the the humility of Stephen Adams. So this was based in an interview, I think after a practice, someone was asking him about the Stephen Adams autobiography that he just put out. And he was talking a little bit about it. Someone, I believe, asked him, you know, what was the inspiration for you doing it? And he said, straight up, like, someone told me that people would be interested in doing it, so I did it. And then they ask him, like, more and more about, like, the writing process. And then he levels with them. And he says... I didn't write it. I have a ghostwriter named Natalie Chapman. I can barely read, mate. You think I'm going to write a book? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. Oh, I like that he admits that most autobiographies like aren't 
really written by the players. I think more and more now today, we're getting like name of the player and then small name of the person who actually wrote it. I think that's becoming the norm. And I think people know that, hopefully. I think people probably know that. Um, But that is what I really appreciated. I just like that he calls out the ghostwriter and then just, I can barely read, mate. You think I'm going to write a book? Jesus is good. And now here's Stephen Adams saying that quote. I don't write. I go ghostwriting at Metal Jet. So now for number two, this is something that I appreciate about Stephen Adams as large and as intimidating as he is. He is a human and he gets nervous. And I have two examples of him talking about being nervous. There's one that happened during a game and there's one that happened not during a game. I'll start with that one because there's no audio clip of it because my source is one of my friends who did a business school thing with Steven Adams. Whoa. Yeah. One of my buddies went to business school and his business school was doing a project where they would partner with professional athletes to like teach them about business type things in case they wanted to go into like entrepreneurship. And they had a thing where like you could draft who you were working with. And Steven Adams was one of the options. And my buddy was like, oh my God, I gotta do this. So he worked and got Steven Adams as his person. And I don't know exactly what the whole project worked on, but basically Steven Adams was supposed to give a business presentation. This was like during like 2021. So it was like all Zoom COVID stuff. And he just had to give a presentation to my friend and his partner on this project and all that's all he did like not a big audience gives the presentation and then it was supposed to be kind of like a evaluation from the students to the teacher to say how did steven do and apparently after the presentation was over according to my friend steven adams said quote <laughs> i don't know how to say this in, a, in an accent Y'all motherfuckers, I can't do this in a New Zealand accent. Y'all motherfuckers had me nervous as shit after this presentation. <laughs> I don't know how to say y'all motherfuckers well, it's in hard. not the word y'all doesn't in, in seem New Zealand, y- right? Y'all to y'all like translate motherfuckers. Y'all, y'all motherfuckers. I feel like yeah. anytime I do a New Zealand y'all, voice, y'all I'm just doing like a uh, flight of the Concords, like kind of the higher. Pitched. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, you're doing you're doing Brit. Right. You're doing Brit from Flight of the Concords. Yeah. But so then apparently also during the presentation, he said he apologized for swearing so much and said small vocabulary (laughs) about it. And I think that's the truest testament that he didn't write his autobiography is watching a lot of these quotes. This guy swears and says mate every other word. Like there's so many mates like it's, it's he's living up to the New Zealand way. So you do use Stephen Adams. Now there's another one. This one was documented. You can watch a video of it and we'll put a link to it and stuff. But there was one where he made like two really important free throws at the end of the game. And he's not a great free throw shooter, but he made these very important free throws at the end of the game. And someone asked him like, Oh, free throw shooting has been big for you this year. How are you able to make this happen? And Stephen Adams just says, honestly, I absolutely shit my pants. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Shit my pants. <laughs> oh boy. And then he talks about like I didn't really think it would be this hard, but yeah, I mean it was re- I was really nervous up there. And I think he even like references like you'd think someone big like me wouldn't. He get shit nervous. his pants it's and then he showed so it to good. himself and said, This is what you usually shoot free throws the- like. <laughs> Bobby Knight was like in the crowd. Okay, so number one, this is the best one. And this is I've seen this one post around on social media because it's really good, and it will also be posted in juxtaposition to LeBron James. So this is something that took place during the bubble. 
And famously, some players such as LeBron James were like, it's so hard. I haven't seen my family in weeks. I'm in a hotel room. I feel like I'm losing my mind. All this kind of stuff. Stephen Adams, after quotes like this were going around, was asked, what is it like dealing with living in the bubble? What is it like only seeing your teammates, not seeing other people, not moving around? What is that like? Stephen Adams immediately takes issue with this question. Not like serious issue, but like thinks it's a ridiculous question. You can see it on his face. And then he says, it's all good, mate. Let's be clear, mate. It's not serious, mate. It's not that hard. It's not that difficult, mate. We're living at a bloody resort. Everybody's got to complain. Everybody has their own preferences, mate. But it's not anything too serious. Just a bit of dry food here and there. And you get bored every now and then. But it's all good, man. It's pretty cool. And then he goes on to say that it's cool to interact with players from the other teams. You don't get to do that during the year. <laughs> uh, it's all good, mate. Um... Let's, get, let's be clear, mate. This, this is not Syria, mate. You know what I mean? Like, it's not it's not that hard. It's not that difficult, mate. You know what I mean? It's, we're living in a bloody resort. You know, everyone's got to complain. Everyone has their own preferences, mate. But, you know, it's not, <laughs> it's not anything too serious. Was the first thing he said, it's not serious or it's not Syria? He said, it's all good, mate. Let's be clear, mate. It's not Syria, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I know. And like during 2020, like, yeah, like that's that's it the, is the also allegory it, to it's make. kind of I appreciate the honesty of that because it's like, yes, I'm sure it was isolating and strange. But at the end of the day, they were at a resort playing basketball while many other people yes. were dealing with much worse things. Totally, totally. They are in a place where they're getting all their food catered to them. It's a five star resort on the Disney campus. Right. They are getting tested all the time. They're being kept super safe. All these precautions to make sure they don't get COVID. Yeah. Like, yeah, things are just fine. It's pretty sweet. That's so funny. Yeah, that is. I mean, I haven't seen all the other quotes, but it would be hard to top that one, I think. It's just really good. You can tell he appreciates the the basketball life that he has. One of the other ones that was a top contender was from his rookie season. They asked, like, what was your, you know, realization that you'd made it in the NBA? And he said when he got on the team plane and the plane had tables in it. He was like, tables on a plane? Huh, I've made it. <laughs> I I mean, I don't know that I've ever been on a plane with tables in it. Maybe nope, a small tray I table. So. No, but not a table. Yeah. So shout out to Stephen Adams. I'm very sad that he won't be with us this season. Maybe he'll still give some quotes and stuff, but he's a really nice guy. He's a fun dude. I'm glad he stuck around in the league for so long. Well, he might be injured, but he's not in Syria, mate. <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> so high pitch. It's not that it's bad. It's just so not yeah, Stephen Adams. Yeah, but I mean, look, I, I spent all of last night watching tons and tons and tons of That's his true. videos, and even I yeah. can't get close to his voice. It's just really good. But yes, those are the three best Stephen Adams quotes and the three best Stephen Adams things that are not quotes. Check out the five on five for when I post probably 12 Amazing. things. Because he's just so perfect. So, so, so Do perfect. It. Extra, extra credit. Thanks for listening to this episode of Four Sources, hosted by Adam Amawala and Mike Schubert. Our editors, Kensei Suramaki. The music is by Bettina Kambamanas. The art is by Alison Wakeman. The social media is by both of the Horse Boys. And the website is by Kelly Schubert. Thank you to our producer-level patrons, Polly Burge, Kendra Hadley, Salvatore Testa, Siobhan Ellsbury, Don't Go Chasing Taco Falls, Bang, Bang, Roast Beef Debris. How about them world champion Denver Steam Nuggets? Anna Reed, Steph Curry stole Dylan Brooks' soul. Ooh, a haunted bang. We love a haunted bang. Hi, Trish, Nicole Shepard, Chase Underulo, Mr. Bubbles Plays Ball, Naked Rachel, Josh Isn't Rich, Sidney Crosby is a Vampire, Chelsea's Cousin, Ginger Spurs Boy, and Balls to the Walls. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Horse Hoops and on Twitter at Horse underscore Hoops because... Horse Hoops was the guy who took the basketball from that game and ran away <sighs> with it and the NBA figured it out and then just got to get shut down. Got to ban him. Ban him from the arena and from Twitter. Twitter. 
But you can go to our website, horsehoops.com, which is not banned, and we'll also feature links to some of the fun stuff we talked about on the episode today, including uh, Bobby Knight, Rampages, and uh, and much, much more. Mm-hmm. And if you want to support the Horse Boys and see things such as the video that we put up of us reviewing all of the wonderful NBA City Edition jerseys we have this year. Yeah, and we might we might do a, uh, a recap of Shubes helping me with my fantasy basketball draft. That's another another upcoming Patreon thing. Yes, that is the plan. So you can go to patreon.com slash horsehoops to check that out. And you can also go to horsehoops.com slash merch to get Sup Nerds shirts and digital merch as well. Lots of good stuff there. But we're going to close out this episode by saying something on the count of three as as we always do. What are we thinking? Mm, so much to choose from. I feel like there were there was a lot in this episode. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Would you like to honor Stephen Adams in some way? Yeah, let's say it's not that hard, mate, on three to, you know, give it out to the situation where, you know, even, even in his situation where it stinks he doesn't get to play basketball, he's still getting paid tens of millions of dollars to, you know, have the greatest doctors in the U.S., care team so i think we're gonna let out a it's not that hard night on three one two, two three it's not, it's not that, that hard, hard night i tried to lower it. i tried to lower the octave <laughs> it's, it's not that hard mate it's not that hard mate yeah <laughs> i feel too australian i'm it's the problem is that's I like feel, shaq doing an australian i just it's hard because you're right i feel like a quintessential thing of new zealand is like the nasally or at least stereotypically right, right, right. it's the nasally so it's hard to do so you're saying it is that hard, mate, when we're talking about doing a New Zealand oh. accent. <laughs> Bye, everybody.